0: Welcome to Insight, the insurance news podcast hosted by me, Andrew Socox. In this week's edition of Insight, we go all Hollywood blockbuster. It's brother against brother, mate against mate, cockroach against the Matildas in the great cyclone reinsurance ball. But in a stunning plot twist, frankly, everyone probably foresaw, brother reconciles with brother, mate hugs mate on the battlefield of insurance affordability. So who's the real villain of this blockbuster? We ask proper Pom John about RACQ's remediation program on broken pricing promises. Hello, everyone. This week, I'm joined by my entourage, superstar and deputy editor, Wendy Pugh, lead journalists and leading ladies, Bernice Han and Miranda Maxwell, dastardly supervillain editor, John Deeks, and a gratuitous cameo from chairman Terry McMullen. (laughs) Hello, Wendy. Oh, good morning, Andrew. You don't strike me as someone who's into blockbusters. I don't mind the odd blockbuster. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Good morning, John. Good morning. Typecast again as the token Englishman. Do we need a discrimination lawyer?
1: Well, you sound pretty English yourself,
0: too, Andrew. So.
2: Hi, Benice. Hi, Hi, Andrew.
0: Who would you compare yourself to in the superstar ranks?
2: Oh, you've you've got me down. Sorry, i can't think right now of a superstar. Sorry. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, hello, Miranda.
2: Good morning,
3: Andrew.
0: I'm asking you the same question as Benice. Who would you compare yourself to?
3: Oh, what about Charlize Theron in Mad Max?
0: Oh, very nice. <laughs> I'm also a little bit scared. <laughs> and lastly, good morning, Terry Good morning.
4: What cameo
0: role would you like?
4: Yeah, you, you really caught me by surprise there because I I have no idea, but it would certainly be something that didn't involve my face. <laughs>
0: You, like me, appreciate the podcast
4: medium. Uh, we have good faces for radio. Yes, yes.
0: Well, so from fiction to fact, we know home insurance affordability is a problem in some parts of the country, Miranda, but an Actuaries Institute report has taken an in-depth look at the issue.
3: Well, these are issues with affordability are reflected in the fact 11% of households are uninsured and in Northern Australia, it's 20%. The vulnerable groups are concentrated right where natural hazards tend to strike in northern New South Wales, Queensland, and the Northern Territory. So what the actuaries are proposing is that the governments drop the taxes and levies that amount to more than $2 billion a year and find a more equitable source for that revenue. And everyone is in agreement that infrastructure, like more levies are needed, and building codes need to be addressed and land planning use looked at. Uh, A couple of other numbers stood out to me in the report. One was that taxes are a bigger component of home insurance premiums than any single natural hazard. So $328 on a typical annual premium compared to just $33 for bushfire. And one more was that increased risk from extreme weather is going to add more than $300 million a year to home insurance premiums in Australia in the decades ahead. So it is unsustainable and it does seem policy changes and even managed retreat from some areas will be the only way.
0: The Insurance Council will be delighted to see its position being supported. But should we get our hopes up, Terry? The industry has been pushing some of these arguments for decades.
4: Yeah, well, really, that's why ICA exists, to advance the industry's core issues. You really have to keep pushing those messages and find every occasion and reason for repeating them. The more you make people listen, the more people will understand, I guess. And certainly in the case for Drive for Mitigation, as an example, we're seeing much more recognition and understanding from government. So now you have to use that wedge to force action. But as far as premiums go, we're never going to be popular. Certainly, they're difficult at the moment. But, you know, that, that's a reflection of, I guess, where everything is at.
0: As for the cyclone pool, Wendy, a consumer group is arguing that greater cross-subsidization could help boost premium savings for the worst affected.
5: Yeah, I mean, the uh, Australian Consumers Insurance Lobby um, is worried that the savings from this cyclone pool are just not going to reach the level needed to make insurance affordable in the north. And so they say there's a couple of options to make this work better. And one of those is that you can increase the size of the premium collection. Base, so that would require southern areas like uh, Victoria or South Australia to also contribute towards it, even though they aren't actually in you know cyclone-prone areas. So you'd have this regional cross-subsidisation. ACEL points out that um, the terrorism reinsurance pool um, involves cross-subsidisation now because you know, businesses in regional areas like Cairns and Townsville are contributing, but the, if there's a terrorism attack, it's much more likely to be in Sydney or Melbourne. ASOL also actually mentioned, you know, the, the potential for governments to directly... Um, Pump more money into the pool as well as another option, and they also talk about mitigation and and removing those you know government stamp duties and taxes and charges, but they're a bit pessimistic on that one, and you know they kind of think this cross subsidisation thing is perhaps one of the one of the best options.
0: Well, why sh- should we in Melbourne pay for someone else's cyclone risk, John? They don't pay for my black cloth dye or uh, coffee addiction. Yeah, well, ideally,
1: I guess we shouldn't. It's better if the uh, if the premium reflects the risk more directly and then you know that has knock-on effects which can be positive in the long run such as putting people off from building in in more more risky locations but um you know we can get a bit too precious about this maybe there's always some element of cross subsidization i think in in insurance and you know we we have a problem in the north of the country don't we with cyclone risk and and people not being able to afford home insurance so yeah, I mean, I think theoretically, the industry would be against this sort of thing. But then, you know, it may be the best of a, a bad set of solutions, perhaps. I, I don't know.
4: Can I just make a, a point there, then? And, and that is that the cross subsidization used to be the way across the whole industry. But really, we've been trying more and more and more to be accurate. In, in assessing individual risks the day why well, used to be that northern Australia premiums seemed to be you know allocated based on the weight of a, of a or the, the cost of a bushel of pineapples I mean it, it had nothing fixed it in, in reality now it does and I'd, I'd be disappointed to see us getting back to this argument that the south of the country is supporting the north
1: I'd just add one more thing to that that there, there is already I guess what what the consumer group is saying is that there's already some cross subsidization in the scheme as is because the low risk properties are going to help bring down the premium of the high risk properties. So it's not too much of a jump to then say, well, let's expand that and, and, and make it for the whole country. But yeah, I understand what Terry's saying. It's not it's not ideal by any means.
5: Can I just add, I meant to add before that they um, are also saying that they actually want the pool ultimately expanded so it would also act for bushfire and flood and, and some other catastrophe. So ultimately, everyone would be cross-subsidising everyone else, you know, because it wouldn't just be for cyclone in the north, so everybody would ultimately be, be benefiting. But their immediate priority is this getting the cyclone pool as it is to work properly.
0: The northerners are going to pay for our coffees. <laughs> so, Bernice... Steadfast has acquired Insurance Brands Australia, which I didn't realize was formerly known as Insurance House. Can you tell us about this deal?
2: Yeah, so we did a breaking news on this last week. Steadfast expects to complete its 301 million acquisition of Insurance Brands Australia or IBA by this week. So um IBA launched a process looking for a buyer just before June thirtieth, and State Farm offered the most competitive bid. So this is the biggest acquisition by State Farm uh since this time last year when they splashed out about four hundred and eleven million for Cover Force. IBA is a private is privately held and owns brokerage insurance house and underwriting agencies ProRisk and Armada Underwriting. Um, they have about. in annual gross return premium and some 70 locations across the country. Steadfast CEO Robert Kelly has told us he has been eyeing IBA for quite some time. uh, And he says there are not a lot of businesses out there that are of the size of IBA. And uh,
0: Steadfast also reported its results
2: yeah it's a state fast week <laughs> so it was another set of strong uh numbers from state fast um they increased their underlying revenues by about 26 percent to 1.14 billion It's the first time that um underlying revenues have exceeded 1 billion uh, and pre-tax earnings, also on an underlying basis, um, grew nearly 30% to $340.4 million. So much of the strong results have to do with organic growth and contributions from acquisitions that they have made in the past. So organic growth was about 13.3% and acquisitions 16.2%. Well,
0: back to Insurance House or Insurance Brands Australia, that's uh, another large privately owned brokerage snapped up, Terry. Are there any left?
4: Yeah, I noted that Robert Kelly was saying that there weren't a lot left. Yeah, there are still a few around, although many of them are already in some way affiliated with Steadfast or with Brokers already. Case in point is the um, the situation with companies like Epsilon and others who are large international brokers in their own right, who might come into the market and are trying to get a bit of action going, but they are still working through steadfast in in functional terms. There are lots of reasons for larger brokerages like Insurance House and its other companies within insurance brands to, to see advantages in giving up total independence and joining a larger organization. The advantages of being totally independent as a broker aren't all they're cracked up to be. And and some of these owners and, and many of the biggies are owned in partnership, maybe wanting to acquire some capital for other personal projects, or they may just see more growth opportunities becoming available by belonging to the biggest brokerage in town. Well, they may just want to slow down and and share the business burdens. There's there's lots of reasons for for um, moving across. Steadfast isn't the only organisation seeking to buy brokerages, of course. So so the market for them is pretty competitive, and it's a, as as the it becomes more and more limited. So that there's uh, more and more money starting to flow.
0: RICQ Insurance released details of its remediation program on broken pricing promises. Wendy. How big a problem is this?
5: RACQ says it looks like it's going to be refunding about 200 million dollars to up to 500,000 policyholders so i mean it's not not a small thing but they embarked on a review with KPMG after another insurer had highlighted some pricing problems then RACQ as a result ended up reporting its own issue to ASIC and broadening out its review to look more widely for problems and they you know released the details now of of what they've found but um, a lot of this relates to flaws in product disclosure statements for motor cover, which apparently gave an impression that discounts were going to apply for optional extras when that wasn't the case. And separately, there were some other issues where people might have missed out on discounts where, uh, that they were entitled to.
0: Well, they're not the only ones who face these issues, are they, John? Oh, no,
1: not, not by a long way. We had QBE not, not too long ago announcing that they were setting aside 110 million dollars for a customer remediation program after an internal review found some instances where pricing promises hadn't been fully delivered, and last year we had uh, a similar issue with IAG, uh, where they put aside 238 million dollars for for past pricing issues. Last year also we had Allianz and its subsidiary AWP paying a, a 1.5 million in penalties for mis-selling travel insurance policies i think that one was slightly different but yeah all these all these matters have quite a reputational impact i would have thought i mean the sort of groveling apologies from the companies afterwards but um, you know they, they can't really allow these things to happen because if you make a promise to a customer they expect you to keep it
0: well and finally the august september edition of insurance news magazine is about to drop terry what can readers expect from this edition
4: well, for starters, readers can expect a, a very cool cover picture of an Arctic scene with, with lots of permafrost in it. And that that's the really the centre of a, a report on the, the latest emerging risks to, to be listed by Swiss Re. So that makes the somewhat un-Australian picture very relevant to all of us. So please read on. It was either that or floods, and I just couldn't do it to our readers again. Another must-read article, I reckon, is our examination of where premiums are going with some prices easing a bit, but insurers moving very cautiously. Plenty of expert opinions in that one, and I really do think it's it's quite important to understand where we're at. We've also dug deep into the really likely, the real likely savings flowing from the Cyclone insurance pool. Uh, there's and there's, there's plenty more of course, like some big inflation issues in the crash repair industry that really are causing some grief. And as we say, if, if it's relevant to insurance, you know we'll cover it. So you'll find pretty much everything that you need to know about what's going on in depth in uh, the latest magazine. Well,
0: thank you once again. That brings us to the end of this week's Insight podcast by Insurance News. Thank you to our uh, extended panel, Miranda Maxwell, Bernice Han, John Deeks, Wendy Pugh, and Terry McMullen. Enjoy your week and thank you all for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at editor at insurancenews.com.au. We value your input. You can read all these stories and many others at your leisure at insurancenews.com.au. You can subscribe to the Insight Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google, and all your favorite podcast platforms now. We look forward to catching up again next week.